Book Three, Chapter One of the Return of the Native by Thomas Hardy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Book Three: The Fascination, Chapter One. My mind to me a kingdom is. In Clem Yobright's face can be dimly seen the typical countenance of the future. Should there be a classic period to art hereafter, its Phidias may produce such faces. The view of life as a thing to be put up with, replacing that zest for existence which was so intense in early civilizations, must ultimately enter so thoroughly into the constitution of the advanced races that its facial expression will become accepted as a new artistic departure people already feel that a man who lives without disturbing a curve of feature or setting a mark of mental concern anywhere upon himself is too far removed from modern perceptiveness to be a modern type physically beautiful men the glory of the race when it was young are almost an anachronism now and we may wonder whether at some time or other physically beautiful women may not be an anachronism likewise the truth seems to be that a long line of disillusive centuries has permanently displaced the hellenic idea of life or whatever it may be called what the greeks only suspected we know well what their aeschylus imagined our nursery children feel that old-fashioned revelling in the general situation grows less and less possible as we uncover the defects of natural laws and see the quandary that man is in by their operation the lineaments which will get embodied in ideals based upon this new recognition will probably be akin to those of yobright the observer's eye was arrested not by his face as a picture but by his face as a page not by what it was but by what it recorded his features were attractive in the light of symbols as sounds intrinsically common become attractive in language and as shapes intrinsically simple become interesting in writing he had been a lad of whom something was expected. Beyond this, all had been chaos. That he would be successful in an original way, or that he would go to the dogs in an original way, seemed equally probable. The only absolute certainty about him was that he would not stand still in the circumstances amid which he was born. Hence, when his name was casually mentioned by neighboring yeomen, the listener said, "'Ah, Clem Yobright, what is he doing now?' When the instinctive question about a person is, "'What is he doing?' it is felt that he will be found to be, like most of us, doing nothing in particular. There is an indefinite sense that he must be invading some region of singularity, good or bad. The devout hope is that he is doing well. The secret faith is that he is making a mess of it half a dozen comfortable market men who were habitual callers at the quiet woman as they passed by in their carts were partial to the topic in fact though they were not egged men they could hardly avoid it while they sucked their long clay tubes and regarded the heath through the window clem had been so inwoven with the heath in his boyhood that hardly anybody could look upon it without thinking of him so the subject recurred and if he were making a fortune and a name so much the better for him if he were making a tragical figure in the world so much the better for a narrative the fact was that yobright's fame had spread to an awkward extent before he left home 
it is bad when your fame outruns your means said the spanish jesuit gracian at the age of six he had asked a scripture riddle who was the first man known to wear breeches and applause had resounded from the very verge of the heath at seven he painted the battle of waterloo with tiger lily pollen and black currant juice in the absence of watercolours by the time he reached twelve he had in this manner been heard of as artist and scholar for at least two miles around an individual whose fame spreads three or four thousand yards in the time taken by the fame of others similarly situated to travel six or eight hundred must of necessity have something in him possibly klim's fame like homer's owed something to the accidents of his situation nevertheless famous he was he grew up and was helped out in life the waggery of fate which started clive as a writing clerk gay as a linen draper keats as a surgeon and a thousand others and a thousand other odd ways banished the wild and ascetic heath lad to a trade whose sole concern was with the especial symbols of self-indulgent and vainglory the details of this choice of a business for him it is not necessary to give at the death of his father a neighbouring gentleman had kindly undertaken to give the boy a start and this assumed the form of sending him to budmouth yobright did not wish to go there but it was the only feasible opening thence he went to london and thence shortly after to paris where he had remained till now something being expected of him he had not been at home many days before a great curiosity as to why he stayed on so long began to arise in the heath the natural term of a holiday had passed yet he still remained on the sunday morning following the week of thomason's marriage a discussion on this subject was in progress at a hair-cutting before fairway's house here the local barbering was always done at this hour on this day to be followed by the great sunday wash of the inhabitants at noon which in its turn was followed by the great sunday dressing an hour later on egdon heath sunday proper did not begin till dinner-time and even then it was a somewhat battered specimen of the day these sunday morning hair-cuttings were performed by fairway the victim sitting on a chopping block in front of the house without a coat and the neighbors gossiping around idly observing the locks of hair as they rose upon the wind after the snip and flew away out of sight to the four quarters of the heavens summer and winter the scene was the same unless the wind were more than usually blusterous when the stool was shifted a few feet round the corner to complain of cold in sitting out of doors hatless and coatless while fairway told true stories between the cuts of the scissors would have been to pronounce yourself no man at once to flinch exclaim or move a muscle of the face at the small stabs under the ear received from these instruments or at scarifications of the neck by the comb would have brought thought of a gross breach of good manners considering that fairway did it all for nothing a bleeding about the pole on sunday afternoons was amply accounted for by the explanation i have had my hair cut you know the conversation on yobright had been started by a distant view of the young man rambling leisurely across the heath before them a man who is doing well elsewhere wouldn't bide here two or three weeks for nothing said fairway he's got some project in his head depend upon that well i can't keep a dimming shop here said sam i don't see why he should have had them two heavy boxes home if he had not been going to bide 
and what there is for him to do here the lord in heaven knows before many surmises could be indulged in yo bright had come near and seeing the hair-cutting group he turned aside to join them marching up and looking critically at their faces for a moment he said without introduction now folks let me guess what you've been talking about hi sure if you will said sam about me now it is a thing i shouldn't have dreamed of doing otherwise said fairway in a tone of integrity but since you have named it master yobrite i'll own that we was talking about ye we were wondering what could keep you home here mollyhorning about when you have made such a world-wide name for yourself in the knick-knack trade now that's the truth o't i'll tell you said yobrite with unexpected earnestness i am not sorry to have the opportunity i've come home because all things considered i can be a trifle less useless here than anywhere else but i have only lately found this out when i first got away from home i thought this place was not worth troubling about i thought our life here was contemptible to oil your boots instead of blacking them to dust your coat with a switch instead of a brush was there ever anything more ridiculous i said so tis so tis no no you are wrong it isn't beg your pardon we thought that was your meaning well as my views changed my course became very depressing i found that i was trying to be like people who had hardly anything in common with myself i was endeavouring to put off one sort of life for another sort of life which was not better than the life i had known before it was simply different true a sight different said fairway yes paris must be a taking place said humphrey grand shop windows trumpets and drums and here we we out of doors in all winds and weathers but you mistake me pleaded Klim. all this was very depressing but not so depressing as something i next perceived that my business was the idlest vainest most effeminate business that ever a man could be put to that decided me i would give it up and try to follow some rational occupation among the people i knew best and to whom i could be of most use i have come home and this is how i mean to carry out my plan i shall keep a school as near to egdon as possible so as to be able to walk over here and have a night school in my mother's house but i must study a little at first to get properly qualified now neighbours i must go and clem resumed his walk across the heath he'll never carry it out in the world said fairway in a few weeks he'll learn to see things otherwise tis good-hearted of the young man said another but for my part i think he had better mind his business End of book three chapter one